say these things about my views on religion. I was taught that pubs are sinful, but I don't think so because healthy pubs exist. I was taught that bars, nightclubs, parties, live music, concerts, cabarets, theater, cinemas, and shows, and night owls and nightlife are all sinful, but I don't think so because healthy bars, healthy nightclubs, healthy parties, healthy live music, healthy concerts, healthy cabarets, healthy theaters, healthy cinemas, healthy shows, healthy night owls, and healthy nightlife do exist. I was taught that all drinking establishments are sinful, but I don't think so because there are healthy drinking establishments of all types in the world. I was taught that cohabitation, living together without being married is sinful, but I don't think so because healthy cohabitation does exist. I was taught that polyamory, having multiple, any kind of term, lovers and or partners, are sinful, but I don't think so because healthy polyamory does exist. I was taught that polygamy, marriage to, mar- to multiple partners is sinful, but I don't think so because healthy polygamy does exist. I was taught that polyandry, the marriage of a woman to multiple men are sinful, but I don't think so because healthy polyandry does exist. I was taught that polygyny, the marriage of a man to multiple women, is sinful, but I don't think so because healthy polygyny does exist. I was taught that polygynandry, the marriage of multiple men to multiple women, is sinful, but I don't think so because healthy polygynandry does exist. Now, how are all these aspects of intimate relationships are healthy well no trauma complexes um, no low self-esteem and no self-hatred the chemistry and compatibility are completely sensible and wholesome everyone is of age no abuse no crime no violence no victimization no discrimination no human rights abuses and no human rights violations and all these types of intimate relationships are even appropriately applicable to LGBTQI plus non-binary gender and sexually and sexual diversity too. So that's what makes it all healthy. Um, No one's being taken advantage of and healthy boundaries are non-hypocritical when it comes to the adults and the children. So the children are not scarred and the adults are not scarred either. And there's no deadbeat parenting. And there's no absent parenting if there's children. And if there's not children, when it comes to biologically, they respect other people's children. When it comes to um, what I think regarding... Multiple relationships. The adults are age appropriate and appropriate in mind, heart, body, and soul all the time when it comes to the children and themselves. And there's no reality TV show kind of circumstances going on in these particular types of intimate relationships that are completely healthy. I'm talking about the good kinds, not the tabloid talk show trash TV kinds. There are meaningful distinctions. I was taught that 
Domestic partnerships, which is a relationship usually between couples who live together, share a common domestic life, but are not married to each other or to anyone else, and people in domestic partnerships receive legal benefits that guarantee right of survivorship. Hospital visitation of the rights are sinful, but I don't think so because healthy domestic partnerships do exist. For all the same reasons I mentioned all the other relationships. I was taught that open marriages and open relationships, which is a form of non-monogamy, which the partners of a dyadic marriage or dyadic lack of marriage agree that each may engage in extramarital sexual relationships without this being regarded by them as infidelity and consider or establish an open relationship despite the implied monogamy of marriage or lack of marriage because not every open relationship is marital. But I don't think that open marriages and open relationships are sinful because of all the same reasons that I mentioned. All the other types of intimate relationships. We're we're talking about healthy open marriages and healthy open relationships. Next, I was taught that swinging, sometimes called wife swapping, husband swapping, or partner swapping, non-binary people, you have to keep that in mind is a sexual activity in which both singles and partners in a committed relationship sexually agree with uh, sexually engage with others for recreational purposes when you form a non-monogamy is an open relationship. I was taught that swinging is sinful, but I don't think so because of all the same reasons that I mentioned all the other types of intimate relationships. Healthy swinging, healthy wife swapping, healthy husband swapping, healthy partner swapping does exist. Um... Next, I I was taught that civil civil unions, which are also known as civil partnerships, which is a legally recognized arrangement similar to marriage, credit primarily as a means to provide recognition in law for same-sex couples. And siblings grant some or all the rights of marriage with, with child or daughter being a common exception in the title itself. Is I thought I was taught that that was sinful. So we, I thought I was taught that civil unions um, are sinful, but um, I don't think so because healthy civil unions exist, and they need to add child adoption to the civil union, and all the rights of marriage should be granted within civil unions. So, basically, I'm going to really sum it up. I was basically taught that LGBTQI plus rights and transgender rights are sinful, but I don't think so because there's nothing wrong with being LGBTQI plus and there's nothing wrong with being transgender. I was taught that... The right to sexuality, reproductive rights, sexual health, reproductive rights, declaration of sexual rights, declaration of sexual pleasure, and card principles are sinful, but I don't think so because there's nothing wrong with gender and sexual diversity. There's nothing wrong with fornication, premarital sex, because they are healthy forms of all the above, including those two. And honestly, I was taught that out-of-wetlock parenting, rearing, and impregnating are considered sinful, but I don't think so because they are healthy examples of all of those realities being um, of existence. I was taught that reproductive rights and abortion rights are, sin- are sinful, but I don't think so because there are appropriate circumstances where abortion should be permitted. And there's nothing wrong with contraception. There's nothing wrong with OBGYNs. There's nothing wrong with keeping hospitals open. There's nothing wrong with Head Start. There's nothing wrong with prenatal care. And uh, maternal mortality needs to be strongly enhanced. Um, I don't believe in divine right of kings because that causes atheist discrimination. Discrimination against anybody not Christian. 
But I was taught that that was righteous, but which is not. Um, I was taught that women's rights and sex workers' rights and feminism are sinful, which is not true because there's nothing wrong with ethical adult sex work. There's nothing wrong with women being fully human. And there's nothing wrong with the empowerment of women, especially in a misogynistic globe. Uh, I was taught that alcohol was sin- is sinful, but I don't think so because healthy alcohol usage does happen. It's called moderation. I was taught that casual sex, casual dating, casual relationships, um, friends with benefits relationships, group sex, promiscuity, um, we're all sinful, but that's not true. Because they're healthy examples of all the above. Um, I was taught... That one night stands, anonymous sex, friends with benefits, booty calls, hooking up, hookup cultures, the sexual revolution, sexual liberation, sex positive feminism... Uh, sex positive movement, sex positivity, being pro-sex, um, cottaging and dogging and gay beats and LGBTQ plus culture. And no strings attached sex, social sex, or are all sinful. But I don't think so because they're healthy examples of all the above. What does healthy examples mean? In, e- in every area of life, there's enthusiastic consent, enthusiastic equality, enthusiastic respect, enthusiastic trust, and enthusiastic safety. I was even taught that masturbation and sex industry and sex museums and sex shops and red light districts and pornography and all forms of ethical adult sex work are all sinful but I don't think so because you have healthy examples of all the above remember the consent equality respect trust and safety um I was taught that prostitution was sinful. I don't think so because there are healthy examples of prostitution in the world. I was taught that, you know, online dating and um, sugar babying and treating, you know, dating and transactional sex, transactional relationships are all sinful, which I don't think so because there are healthy examples of all the above. I was taught that sex clubs, sex parties, and Swinger clubs were all sinful, which I don't think so because there are plenty of people who do those things correctly. Um, I was taught that adult sex tourism, adults with other adults from, and there's no underage anything, there's no underage anyone, and it's just adults doing what adults excitedly want to do. I was taught that that was sinful, which I don't think so, because healthy adult sex tourism means nobody's scarred. Ever. So, I was taught to that marital sex, marital kissing, were all sinful, which I don't think so, because there are plenty of people who have had positive experiences when it came to both, so it can be healthy. I was taught that, you know, online hookups and birth control were sinful, which I don't think so because there are plenty of people who do those things appropriately. Um, That's just, I'm just knowing people. I really am. And um, 
some people in church were taught that being, you know, kinky, anal, and oral, and cunnilingus, and anal are sinful, which is not true, because you can do those things logically, and everybody turns out A-OK. That's true. I was taught that um, divorce is always bad, but there are appropriate circumstances where divorce should be permitted. I was taught that breaking up and being a, in widowhood and widowerhood were just bad, which is not true because you don't know when your spouse is going to die. And some people you shouldn't be in a relationship with for the rest of their life and your life because they're, they suck, right? I was taught that romantic friendships were bad, which is not true because there are plenty of healthy romantic friendships in the world. They're nutritional and of nurturance. I was taught that on again, off again relationships are bad. I'm like, no, because there's a healthy way that that happens because sometimes the gray areas cause people to, they're trying their best. And some people, it turned out fine. They end up staying together the rest of their lives. And, you know, it's not a bad thing when it comes to every person. Because some people, it's not about one partner being bad. It could be scheduling. You know, sometimes, okay, my schedule's good and I'm on the job. Okay, we could be together. Ah, schedule got messed up. Or And so we may have to just be friends for a while. But I don't want you to date nobody. I won't date nobody because you're, you're right for me. I'm right for you. And um, just give me time to get my schedule back together. So that's a healthy example of on again, off again relationship. That has no drama, no trauma either. That's what I mean when I also say healthy example, no drama, no trauma. Because it's like, you know, sometimes people in situations where it's not you and it's not them, it's life. But it's like, look, I have feelings. We have feelings for each other, so... I'll give you time, give me time, but we're crushing on each other, but we can't be together right now because this job is just tripping. But when we get time, we can date in between. We still date. So that does happen. The world of work is not kind to everyone's romance, sadly and tragically. And, um... You know, I'm not judgmental when it comes to affairs, emotional affairs, romantic affairs, sexual affairs, and online affairs, because I, even extramarital affairs, I'm not judgmental on it because that was my life at one point. And even if it wasn't my life, I'm just not judgmental on it. What I'm saying is, is that a lot of times it gets glorified and... It shouldn't be because what happened to me when I was a child was exactly why that happened. There's a difference, in my view, between extramarital affairs and extramarital sex, right? Some people go, huh? But I thought they're the same thing. Not always, because, again, you do have ethical non-monogamy, so not every form of extramarital sex is bad. But extramarital affair where it's clearly obvious that y'all agreed to be monogamous under any and all circumstances, but one or both parties are not honoring that said agreement, then extramarital affairs are bad. Infidelity, adultery are bad. But extramarital sex where y'all both are cool with what is sexually happening, that's good. So I had to teach myself what does these things mean. And I recognize that because of the sexual recklessness I was taught, and I was trying my best to stop, I didn't know how to get help for it, but I was trying to rest my willpower because I, that's what I was taught to do. I could have been prosecuted for the adultery I was in. So were the people that I was in adultery with. And we could have been executed in certain parts of the world for what we were doing. And that's why I tell people, you know, be mindful of the sexual laws 
and not just where you live, but in other jurisdictions, because what you do sexually in your country, you could even be in prison for that. Or they might just break their own laws to kill you in ways that they normally don't kill people. Because keep in mind, you have to be mindful of sexual human rights protections as well as human rights protections because what you do sexually may be protected where you live but not where other people live. That may be true in America. It may be true outside of America. But that is something that uh, people really got to think about. So I do understand the situation of you know, I, I, you know, sometimes you fall in love with a person because your your marriage or relationship is not working out. And it's like, I wasn't trying to cheat, but I met someone that met my standards and it was, I had a hard time leaving them alone because they were everything I needed. And in that kind of situation, that's a, that's kind of a great... Because I was in that too. Even if I wasn't, it would still be a great area for me. Because I'm like, well, I don't want to permit um, the breaking of vows and trusts and oaths. Because I'm sensitive to fidelity. I would be, even if I was never in an affair. But at the same time... There are things that we don't mean to do, but some people are just too good to be true in a good way, not the bad way. So I balance grace and truth on that. Like, look, you know, there should be no glitz and glamour to mistrust and distrust. However, I do understand... um, that some people really do try to hold on and wait till they get a divorce or wait till they can file for a divorce and then figure out how they can be with the person that they're with without, you know, doing it just to be evil or anything. And, you know, sometimes people do agree to the whole, I'll wait for you until your relationship is legally over, but sometimes human nature takes over and it's not because the person wants to be cruel it's just sometimes the mind is a mind of its own so I can balance grace and truth like I get it and I do my best not to be non-hypocritical I do feel the whole you know it you know there's ideally there should be at least wait till the relationship is legally like done with and then y'all can be together as you wish but at the same time, I understand that life doesn't always work like that. And it has nothing to do with everyone in that situation being heartless. So sexuality, romance, limerence, attraction, biology have their own gray areas. And I'm not justifying uh, home wrecking. I'm not justifying any kind of infidelity I I just acknowledge that I choose to be patient in that situation and I choose to be understanding that I was in that situation Uh, because many people hear that go well you're trying to justify Pete no I'm not I'm not justifying anything what I'm saying is is that when we look at people's lives we have to have grace and truth And we mix grace and truth. That's a great area in and of itself. It's complex. So that's why I now... That's why I always tell people even now to really honor your relationships. Because if you don't, the person you're with could be in that great area I'm talking about. So could I have... If... Could I have been in a situation where I could have had a lawsuit against me because of alienation of affection? I could have. In certain parts of the world, that could have happened to me. And that's why I tell people, people have to really treat each other well, sexually, romantically. If you make vows, honor them. And if you do that, then 
the the likelihood of an affair would be slim to none, to the point, and for and even to the point where the person it, they they wouldn't want to cheat because like well, all the needs I'm supposed that all the basic needs I'm that my spouse is supposed to meet with me or my life partner because cheating happens in unmarried relationships too. Well, some not all, just like cheating doesn't happen in every marriage. I get that, but. Um, they'll feel like, well, I, my basic needs are being met by my partner, so I know I don't feel the want to, and in their mind, I don't feel the need to because we're doing everything we're supposed to be doing. So dating is not a sin. Healthy dating does exist. Healthy commitment dating does exist. Healthy casual dating does exist, too. And, um... I just feel like, uh, for me, female-led relationships are not sinful. Um, Non-binary-led relationships are not sinful. Now, when it comes to male-led relationships, they cannot be misogynistic. If that's what the partner and their partners want to do, and that's natural to them, proceed. Have at it. Um, LGBTQ plus let relationships are not sinful, just like cis heterosexual let relationships are not sinful either. Um, I would dare say that healthy serial monogamy for me can exist because there are people who do the best they can to have the one and only person, but it didn't work out and they and they check their um what is called a bullshit detector and lie detector in terms of their instincts and sometimes you meet a person you don't notice anything because it's not that you're stupid it's you're truly not feeling any red flags because they're not vibing off but it happens, and some people have worked out. They're eventually able to find their one. So, not every example of serial monogamy is bad. Um, I just, I've also um, really learned that um, long distance relationships for some people do work out well. So it's not completely bad. Kissing and kissing traditions are not bad. Emotional, physical, and sexual intimacies are not bad. Um, interpersonal ties, interpersonal attraction, reciprocal liking, and social support are not bad. Um, you know, courtship, step families, extended families, nuclear families, kinship, family in laws, single person, single parents are not bad. You know, the concept of being a, a single parent or baby mama are not bad. Just don't be reckless with it. I would say the same thing to married parents and married moms. You know, of course, I would say the same thing to baby fathers and married fathers. Because being a baby father is not bad. Being a married father is not bad. I would just say just don't be reckless about it. You know what I'm saying? Don't put, don't pick, don't use kids as pawns. P-A-W-N-S. Don't put children in adult business ever and some people would say if you tell people not to argue in front of the children you're encouraging conflict avoidance no i'm not what i'm teaching children is you don't have to yell yelling is a choice i don't have to cuss somebody out because that's a choice what i'm role modeling the children is this is the way that adults should deal with conflict now, I can be honest with them and say not all adults do that, which is wrong. And I could tell them if you're in a situation, I would tell them 911 if it gets that bad. Or if you have to defend yourself, here are the basic self defense moves. So do what you can to get them off you. And then you make sure you're with other people that will help you legally along with me. They'll be the ones saying, hey, let's go. 
Let's go to police. Let's call cops. Let's just drive away or let's get away. And sometimes I would tell them situations where you have to defend yourself, but it's not about killing a person. It's not about beating the shreds out of that person. I'm just saying this is self-defense. I would teach them the difference. So I would teach them not to argue in front of kids. I would teach them that as kids. I would teach other adults this too. And I would say at the same time, I'm not teaching conflict avoidance. I would teach them assertiveness techniques. I would teach them social skills. I would teach them people skills. I would teach them soft skills. I would teach them communication skills. I would teach them boundaries, emotional intelligence, emotional self-regulation. I would teach them self-control, self-discipline. Because I'm teaching all those things, there is no conflict avoidance. I would teach them there are certain conflicts that should be avoided if they're unnecessary. But healthy conflicts, engaging it healthily, there's a difference. Um, And... um, Like, I am all in favor of healthy cuckolding, healthy cuckweening, um, health, you know, I'm all in favor of, you know, healthy circle jerks, healthy daisy chains, healthy gangbangs, healthy threesomes, healthy three ways, healthy foursomes, healthy four ways, healthy double penetration, healthy spinturian, healthy monogamous group sex, healthy same room sex, healthy soft swapping, healthy swinger party slash gatherings, you know, healthy orgies, healthy bunga bunga orgies, you know, you know, just healthy sex bars, you know what I'm saying? I'm all in favor that healthy non-monogamous sex, these all do exist. And, um, I just feel I'm all in favor of all the forms of non-monogamy because they're all healthy examples of all the forms of non-monogamy. And ethical monogamy does exist too. So, I have, um... Healthy celibacy does exist. You know, some people who don't masturbate, for some people who do that, that's healthy. You know, asexuality is healthy. Um, nothing wrong with that. Some people don't kiss and don't date. Both for some people who don't do that, that, that that's healthy for them. So I, I've learned um, so much. I mean, I'll say this and I'll really get to religion because I'm just really learning. You know, there's healthy gambling, healthy casinos, healthy betting shops. There's healthy marijuana usage. Um, Healthy strip clubs, you know. I would say that there is... Healthy clubbing, as y'all know. Um, You know, healthy go-go bars... (laughs) Healthy massage parlors, healthy sex shows, healthy brothels. Um, and then... I'm against organized crime, against gang activity. So this is what I want to say. You do, you have healthy hosts and hostess clubs, healthy pornography, healthy sex-oriented adult magazines, healthy sex movies, healthy sex toys, healthy fetish, healthy BDSM paraphernalia, healthy sex channels for television, healthy prepaid sex movies with video on demand, healthy adult movie theaters, healthy sex shops, healthy peep shows, healthy adult service providers, healthy adult sex providers, healthy sex trade, just with adults, no, no violations, no crime, healthy sex industry, healthy adult entertainment, they do exist. Then I just, I, I, I want to really, really get this out. So you got healthy webcam modeling, healthy pornographic modeling, healthy adult content description services, healthy strippers, healthy naked butlers, healthy pole dancing, healthy phone sex operators, and healthy phone sex operators, healthy go-go dancing, healthy erotic dancing, healthy neoprolesque, healthy twerking, healthy striptease, healthy table dance, healthy erotic massage, healthy grinding, healthy lap dancing, healthy pornographic film acting, healthy peep show performance, healthy escort services, healthy boyfriend experience, healthy girlfriend experience, healthy sugar babies, healthy sexual surrogates, healthy street prostitution, healthy inter-prostitution, healthy brothel work, healthy bar casino prostitution, healthy massage parlor related prostitution, healthy dominatrixes, 
Then you have healthy can-can, healthy cage dance, healthy guggle dance, healthy hoochie-coochie, healthy mudra, healthy sexercise, healthy striptease, healthy exotic dances, healthy exotic exotic dances, healthy erotic dancing, healthy exotic dancing, healthy pole dance, healthy bubble dance, healthy fan dance, healthy gown and glove striptease, healthy lap dance, healthy couch dance, healthy contact dance, healthy limo lap dance, healthy dance of the seven veils, healthy table dance, healthy grinding, healthy deal burlesque, healthy twerking. So these things do exist. And then, um, you know, you do have healthy, safe sex. You do have um, healthy, safer sex, healthy, comprehensive sex education, healthy body positivity going on. Those things are real. Um, healthy erotica, healthy sex museums. Healthy sex dolls, healthy sex toys, healthy sex work, healthy sex workers going on. Healthy adult video games, that too. Healthy curiosa. And uh, lastly, then I'll get to religion. I just wanted to start off like this. You have healthy sex-oriented businesses. Healthy adult theaters. I, um, had to be honest about such things. I do support LGBTQI plus plural relationships and plural marriages. I do support non-binary relationships that are plural and non-binary marriages that are plural. Um, I do support marijuana rights and the legalization of cannabis, which means marijuana. I support what is called body modifications. So, for example, um, I support tattoos, makeup, um, plastic surgery, sex and gender reassignment surgeries. Um, I support consensual body modification. Um, I support healthy circumcision. Um, I do not support um, the bad kind of genital mutilation um, at all. Um, I do support piercings. I support healthy genital modifications. I just don't want anybody unnecessarily hurt. Um, and also, before I get to religion, I support uh, healthy harems, the harems that are free of misogyny, free of misandry, free of queerphobia, and everybody remembers each other's names because if you have too many partners and their spouses at to the point where you don't remember names, that's problematic. But if I were to have a harem, I would not do any elitism or favoritism or tribalism. And I support those type of harems, whether it's conducted by men, women, LGBTQI+, non-binary. Because it's easy to make those things bad, but when people have the healthy boundaries, then I think it should be fine. I just don't want anybody hurt. No, no, no child hurt, no adult hurt, especially children. And, um... I, um... 
I support like ancient. There are healthy gynaceums. The ancient virgin is bad, but I think there could be a healthy gynaceum where certain places for women, for men, for LGBT, non-binary. Again, no misandry, no misogyny, no queerphobia. Everybody remembers each other's names. No child and adult are scarred. And everything that you think, say, do, and feel in your private life, however you choose to live it, has to be complete freedom of human rights violations, human rights abuses, no criminality, no abuse, no torture, no torment, no trauma, no victimization, no enslavement of any kind, no incest, no bestiality, and no necrophilia, no abuse of the corpse. Um... And everyone has to be equally paid attention to. And they should have plenty of time. They should be able to leave in and out of the home um, freely. Men, women, LGBT, non-binary. They should all live their independent lives as they damn well please. So y'all can live y'all collective life. So they can live their collective lives as they damn well please. Everyone has equal rights honored human rights honored uh, economic social and cultural rights honored and civil and political rights honored that has to be for everyone in terms of each and every person's private personal living how to even even though that's diversified the same rules have to be in place so um without further ado <laughs> Because I think y'all got the point of how I think. Let's go to religion. So religious Christianity and the B-I-T-E model, BITE model. Steve Hassan developed the BITE model of authoritarian control. It lists attributes of control that are endemic to what is colloquially termed cults that work to enslave human capital for some end goal. The model list is elements of behavior, information, thought, and emotion that are used by the cult leaders to maintain control over their flock. Here's further information about this model. So freedomofmind.com. Religious Christianity hits nearly every one of the elements of this model and thus should be classified as a cult. Wow. Well, as I open up the Bible... There are things that I've noticed about religion. These things happen outside of religion, but I see these things happening the most in religion that truly disturb me. For example, a lot of people in church who are taught to are taught to hate non-Christians people who don't practice their denomination and theology they treat the uh, they treat outs they treat people who fit those categories as outsiders so the people that they're taught to biblically hate are subjects to discuss people to use and, uh, and exploit problems to be avoided customers to serve for a fees they're not considered human beings worth being cared for and loved. None of them are worth dying for. None of them are worth a living for. And these are wounded children, wounded men, wounded women, women not wounded non-binary people, wounded LGBTQI plus people, wounded black people, wounded people of Hispanic descent, Wounded brown people. Wounded Native Americans. Wounded immigrants, refugees, asylum seekers, DACA recipients. And wounded foreigners and strangers. 
the people they call Democrats. That's a that's an insult to Democrat the Democratic Party members. The people they call libtards, that's an insult to liberals. The people they call deep state. Deep state does not exist. There's no evidence for it. They're taught to biblically hate sex workers, fornicators, masturbators, pornography viewers, those who masturbate to pornography, fang themselves, jack off, those who shack up, those who gamble, those who smoke tobacco, those who smoke weed, those who go clubbing and live the nightlife, those who embrace LGBTQI plus culture and live it, those with tattered clothes, those with racy words on their clothing, those who wear revealing clothes, they're taught also to hate anybody that doesn't use Christianese and Christian cliches. They're taught to hate people who are considered midgets and dwarfs. They're taught to hate people based on their hair texture, their skin color, their height, their size, their body shape, their body type people of voice types they dislike. They're taught to hate people who are unconventional, non-traditional. They're taught to hate secularists. They're taught to hate people who are of faith but not of their ways of thinking and living faith. So I've also noticed in the world of religion that they they often easily, in their minds, justify their lack of love, knowing that it's never right. They don't believe that their neighbor is anyone of any race, creed, or social background who is in need. They don't believe that love means acting to meet the person's need. Wherever they live, they know that needy per- people are close by, and they come up with bad reasons for refusing to help. And... They see people as objects to exploit, problems to avoid, objects of curiosity, and not and treating people with hate if they're taught to biblically despise you. Another thing I noticed in religion um, the most was this love is they don't think love should be sincere they cling to what is evil they hate who and what is good they're not devoted to one another in love they do not honor one another above themselves they're always lacking in healthy zeal they don't keep their spiritual fervor because they're not serving the lord they're not joyful in hope they're impatient in in affliction They're unfaithful in prayer. They do not share what the Lord's people are in need. They practice inhospitality. They do not bless those who persecute them. They curse and they do not bless. They do not rejoice with those who rejoice. They do not mourn with those who mourn. They do not live in harmony with one another. They they are proud because they are unwilling to associate with people of low position, they are conceited. They repay anyone evil for evil. They are they are not careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. They do not even try their best to live at peace with everyone. They always take revenge in their own hands. They never leave room for God's wrath as they keep saying that they do. Um, In their mind, it is theirs to avenge. They will repay and not God's. If their enemy is hungry, they don't feed them. If their enemy is thirsty, they don't give them something to drink. And they will not keep burning coils in the enemy's head. 
They don't overcome evil with good because they are overcome with evil. I'm talking about the church world today. Um, so let's keep going. Behavior control. Promote dependence and obedience. Modify behavior with reward slash punishment. Restrict slash control sexuality. Control clothing slash hairstyle. Financial exploitation. Restrict leisure time. Um, information control. Withholding slash distorting information. Discourage discussion with atheists or ex-religious Christians. Discourage access to non-religious Christian information. Divide information to insider versus outsider doctrine. Generate and use propaganda excessively gaslighting thought control instill black versus white thinking use loaded language to stop complex thought teach thought stopping techniques to prevent rational thought allow only positive thoughts about subject matter use excessive prayer and singing to block thought reject rational thinking induce hypnotic slash trance states to indoctrinate t-r-a-n-c-e Emotional control. Instill a rational fear to prevent questioning. Label some emotions as sinful or wrong. Promote feelings of shame slash unworthiness. Showering with affection. Shun you if you disbelieve. Teach there is no happiness or peace outside of Christianity. Of the religious type of Christianity. As you can see, religious Christianity fills out every mark of the bite model in multiple ways, making it a definite cult. However, because it is seen as nice and loving, as the special ability wolf in sheep's clothing and masks its identity to those who are in it or have no prior experience with it. Take an assumption that a true relationship between humans and a god would necessarily not involve cultish control features. But the fact that religious Christianity displays nearly every element of the bite model renders a conclusion that it is by definition a cult and thereby likely to be a strictly human creation. And I totally agree. And my comments on what I just read to you. Oh, there's more. In the church today, I don't see them welcoming conversation with unattractive, non-prestigious people. They're not willing to befriend newcomers and entry-level people. They only relate to those who will help them get ahead. They are too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people. They are arrogant when it comes to doing tasks with others. They, they use their contacts and relationships for selfish ambition. They only select people who will help them climb the social ladder. They do not treat all people with respect, those of a different race, the handicapped, the poor, the young, the old, the non-binary, the LGBTQI+, the male and female, the kids. They consider others as being beneath them. Their sense of honoring others always comes with ulterior motives. They only honor their bosses so they will be rewarded. They don't want to be a blessing. It's more important for them to get blessings than to be a blessing. They only honor their employees so they will work harder not to treat them as human beings. They only honor the wealthy so they will have the wealthy contribute to their cause and economic justice means absolutely nothing to them. They only honor the powerful so that they will use their power for them and not against them. But if that means they use, they try to use their power against God, they're cool with that. Um, they don't like God's other way, which involves love. They say that they're Christians but they dishonor people, even though they say that everyone's created in God's image. They don't see people they're taught to be biblically tribal against as siblings in Christ. And they diminish their unique contributions to um, the church they call Christ's church. Um... God's ways of honoring others sounds too difficult for their competitive nature. 
They don't try to outdo one another in showing honor because they don't put others first. They put themselves first. They don't even put God first. Um, They have learned how to pretend to love others. They have learned how to pretend to speak kindly. They've learned how to pretend to avoid hurting people's feelings when they absolutely need to. And they learn and they and they pretended to learn how to appear to take an interest in people. So again, they they have learned how to pretend to love others. They pretend to learn how to speak kindly. They pretend to avoid hurting their feelings when needed. They pretend to learn to appear to take an interest in people. I say that again because that's the most important part of this episode. They are even skilled in pretending to feel moved with, with compassion when they hear of others' needs. They are even skilled in pretending to become indignant when they learn of injustice. They don't believe in the real sincere love that they say God calls them to. Um, because they are not beyond pretense and politeness. They don't like sincere love because it requires concentration and effort. They don't want they they know that helping others makes them better people and that's not what they want to do. They don't want anyone or anything demanding their time, money, personal involvement. They don't even want the capacity to express love to a whole community. They don't even want anyone in the body of Christ in their town to do that. They don't look for people who need their love. And they don't look for ways that they and other believers can love their community for Christ. They turn gossip into public prayer. They'll ask you for a prayer request. And when you ask difficult questions to them that are theological in nature, they'll say they get back to you, but they never do. That's their way of getting you to be quiet. They'll help you forget so they don't want to talk to you about it because they'll think that you're a pagan heathen that is a hellbound demon. Um, they're not a fan of what is called Christian hospitality because they're so into social entertaining. They love entertaining because they focus on the host, them. They foolishly believe that it's God's will that the home must always be spotless, food must always be well prepared and abundant, and the host must appear relaxed and good natured. And their ways of going about these things are all about egomania, compassion, and empathy has nothing to do with it, not even compassion. They're not good-natured. They're not relaxed. Their food is not really well-prepared and abundant. Their homes are dirty. And they want more hospitality than anybody else in in their home. They hate hospitality because, by contrast, it focuses on the guests. It makes them upset. Their needs, whether for a place to stay, nourishing food, listening, ear acceptance, are the primary concern, and they hate all the above. Hospitality can happen in a messy home, and that is distressing to them. It can happen around a dinner table where the main dish is canned soup, and that infuriates them. It can even happen while the host and the guests are doing chores together, and that pisses them off. They hesitate to offer hospitality just because they are too tired, too busy, and not wealthy enough to entertain. And those are the useless excuses that they come up with. I notice in church that they don't value God's love in action. They're not thankful for people whose gifts are completely different from theirs. They don't let their strengths balance their weaknesses. And they're ungrateful that their abilities make can make up for their deficiencies. Together, they don't want to build the crisis church. They refuse to identify their own gifts and knowing that the list is far from complete because they don't ask how they can use them to build up God's family. At the same time, they don't realize that their gifts can't do the work of the church all alone, even though they want that to happen. Um, They're upset that, in their mind, we're assertive prophets. We usually make good counselors, which is not true. They're like, well, we're generous givers. We're good at leaders, which they're not. Um, 
They don't show mercy because they're uncaring people who are unhappy to give their time to others. They don't believe that it would be difficult for one person to embody all these gifts. They're not givers who are generous because they're untrusting. They are not leaders because they're not good organizers nor good managers. They're not teachers because they're not clear thinkers. They're not encouragers because they don't know how to truly motivate others. They think they're prophets, but they're not bold and inarticulate. And they don't look at the list of all their gifts and imagine the kinds of people who would have each gift. Another thing I notice in church is... And it's not easy for me to say these things. Is that they are the type of people that don't believe what they say they believe. Um... Because in their minds, they don't like love because love is patient. They don't like love because love is kind. They don't like love because love does not envy. They don't like love because love does not boast. They don't like love because love is not proud. They don't like love because love does not dishonor others. They don't like love because love is not self-seeking. They don't like love because love is not easily angered. They don't like love because love keeps no record of wrongs. They don't like love because love does not delight in evil. They don't like love because love rejoices with the truth. They don't like love because love always protects. They don't like love because love always trusts. They don't like love because love always hopes. And they don't like love because love always perseveres. They don't like love because love is indispensable. When it comes to love, they're okay with gaining nothing and being nothing. They don't like that the greatest of the three remain faith, hope, and love because they hate that the greatest of these is love. That is all of what I see in uh, the world of religion. Um, you know, by the way, I don't have a problem with revealing clothing as long as it's done at appropriate times and places. And uh, anyway, when I, when it comes to, I don't mind profanity under appropriate circumstances. You know how I talk. Um, but I've always noticed, like, what I'm seeing in church also disturbs me and allow me to elaborate further on that. So, I'll go one more. Religious Christianity is rooted in fascism. Religious Christianity shares many attributes of fascism. Um, 
A, you must obey or be punished. No independent thoughts or free speech. Only conformity is allowed. Your ruler is to be feared, for fear keeps you obedient to authority. The use of fear and guilt as psychological control mechanisms. The view that the individual is weak and powerless and slash their life is without purpose unless aligned to serve a higher power, a collective, also known as God, state, or dictator. Which we clear from this argument is that a real God would not punish reason, open-mindedness, logic, scientific inquiry, or the free thinking of sincere, truth-seeking individuals, but a man-made institution bent on subjugating and controlling people to advance political and financial gain would have a strong incentive to discourage these ideals, use fear, mind-controlling tactics to enslave minds, and foster obedience. My last set of thoughts on religion is that in the church there's so many false prophets. So many of them in sheep's clothing. So many of them are ferocious wolves. So many of them are bad trees bearing bad fruit. They are cut down and thrown into the fire because they do not bear good fruit. And their foundation is not on Jesus. It's on Exploitation of the minds, exploitation of the hearts, exploitation of the souls, exploitations of the memories, and exploitations of the bodies. They are the swine that you don't throw your pearls to. Because when it comes to people like me, they want to trample us under our feet and turn and tear us into pieces. This describes a large amount of people in church today. Not everyone in the church is everything I'm saying. That's the clarification that I needed to say. <laughs>